Welcome to the storehouse. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the storehouse. My name is Wes and I'm sitting here with my beautiful bride, Chelsea. Today we are going to share our story of how God redeemed our marriage and brought super lost souls right to himself. We had the honor last week to share at the live storehouse event, but we had some audio issues and we decided to sit down and re-record this for you. And we just hope this testimony blesses you and that you can see the goodness and the faithfulness of our Heavenly Father through it. Yeah, so first we want to dig into Revelation 12, starting in verse 7. It says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. So this is a passage that we hear time and time again when it comes to sharing our testimonies. And when we look at this scripture, we see how the archangel Michael and his angels of heaven arm, heaven's army defeat Satan. And honestly, when I think about that, it just shows us even more that maybe that's what we should do as well. As we see this modeled by those who dwell among the Father day and night to defeat the enemy that we, we might want to follow suit. This scripture hit me so deeply during a period in my life in the past year. Um, it ministered to me, and I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on that later, but this is for all of us. This is for all of us to battle with the blood of the Lamb that we receive in Christ and the word of our testimony one reminder that I just have to speak out and continue to speak out over our life as we share this testimony is it's not our identity. Our identity is found in the precious blood of Christ. And that blood wages war and defeats Satan and all of his fallen angels. When I first heard this scripture and was in an area of my life where I felt like I was standing face to face with darkness... A fire overcame me and sustained me as we warred for our marriage. In one hand, we held the blood of the Lamb, and the other, the word of our testimony. So as we just share this, we just want to encourage you that, that you too have the word, and you too have a story, and the enemy can be over, he's overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And... The latter part of the scripture states they did not love their lives to the death. And that part really hit me as well more recently as we share this stuff. Um, it's not always easy to sit and share your testimony in some of the places that you walked through. But that end part where it says they did not love their lives to the death just reminds me so much of how we have to choose to die daily to ourselves. And out of that 
dying daily in submission, we can glorify our Father. Recently, a pastor at our church said that dying daily is the highest form of joy. And I can say now that both Wes and I have felt that. This has been a process of choosing death to the flesh every single day. And he also said that the affliction of others will be set free by your death. So, as we sit here and just talk through our testimony with one another and with, with you all, we just want to stand firmly saying that we choose to die to the old man and continue to be made new in him. And we just hope that in any iniquities and pain and chains over your marriages would be broken in Jesus' name. We cry out that this story would be used to glorify our Father and that you guys would see his glory. And we pray for freedom to just be received in all the marriages that hear this testimony. I heard in a sermon one time, he was asking, what's it feel like to be wrong? And he said, a, a lot of people would say it brings shame or guilt or it's embarrassing. But he said, that's not right. To be wrong, it feels completely right. It isn't in, until you know truth that you begin to feel like all of those things come rushing in and you realize that you were wrong. And see, that's how I lived my first 25 years. Completely deceived and in the wrong, but fully believing in the world's lies and everything that it was feeding me. It wasn't until Jesus showed up in my life that I started to see what truth was. I began to look around and I realized that I'd been tricked and lied to. And I bought the lie big time. I bought the lie that if you want it, you should have it. That I was the center of my own story. I lived so selfish and always worried about pleasing my flesh. And see, 1 John 4, 5 says, They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world. The world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And before I met Jesus, you could have told me perfect truth. And I would have looked you dead in the face and I wouldn't have heard a word you said. I was deaf to it. I could only hear what the flesh and the world were saying. And I did a very good job at listening to both of those. To go to my early childhood, I wasn't brought up in church. But I wouldn't say I had a bad childhood. In fact, I'd say I lived the American dream as a kid. My parents did anything for us kids, my two sisters and myself. And we never went without. I always had nice things. I grew up racing motocross and spent most of my teen years at the racetrack. And I remember driving to the race when I was 15 years old with my mom. And I was telling her about this girl that was coming to watch. And uh, I said, there's something about this one. She's, she's different. And boy, was I right. We started dating. And now look, sitting here looking back at it, it was like the perfect summer. And it felt like one of those sappy country music videos. We just hung out all summer. It was like the perfect summer vacation before going back to school. We got into stuff we shouldn't have been doing at 15 years old. And so, of course, two kids that never heard truth in their lives and had no adult supervision, you can imagine the world of hurt we were in for. 
So to piggyback off Wes's part there and just give you a glimpse into my childhood, I was born into quite a different situation than Wes. My mom was 14 years old when she gave birth to me and without the help of my dad, steadily beside her, who was barely an adult himself, my grandmother helped my mom in raising me. I will say that my mother worked so incredibly hard to provide for me and I too did not go without. Um, she gave me the best of what she had and continues to do so for every single person that comes in her life. She taught me survival. She taught me digging in and selflessly loving your children. And in a conversation that we have had since I became born again as a believer in Christ, I remember asking my mom if she had ever thought about getting me into church or anything like that. And I can remember her saying, honestly, I was just trying to survive and provide for you. Anything outside of that was off of her radar. I do remember once that a friend from school in the fourth grade picked me up to go to church. I don't remember much of it. I think it was a Wednesday night youth group gathering, but I do remember that in the name of the church it said Mennonite. So my mom had gotten me dressed up in a turtleneck, pantyhose, and a floor-length jean skirt. But to her surprise, my friend had come to the door dressed in basketball shorts and a t-shirt. I can recall her freaking out and telling me to go get jeans on quickly and change. So fast forward to my teens, I got wild in the 8th grade. So what most people were doing in college, I was participating in at the age of 14. I had a teacher once say that teen moms have teen moms. I remember being so floored by that. And I also remember saying that will never be me. So I worked hard in school and sports and on the outside, I looked like a good child. But the truth of the matter is that I could have very well ended up like my mother with a child at the age of 14. So when I had met Wes, barely babies ourselves, we had both already fallen to the curse of sexual sin, and we spent years living in that darkness, falling short of the beautiful design of union that is marriage which God had designed for us. I do think there was one point in time, too, that I actually know, not I do think, but um, this just popped in my head as we were talking, um, but... I would tell my mom that I was going to church because it would buy me extra time until the next day on Sunday around noon. I could, You know, if you had a hangover, then you were good until noon. So I just remember that as I was sitting here reading and thinking about my childhood. <laughs> I do have to say that there is a lot more to our story that we're not going to get to everything here in one sitting. Chelsea and I, we spent time before last week's event and we sat down and we just sat together and we went out to eat and we just typed out our testimony and it was a blessing. Like it, it was a nice time and it just, it made it that much more beautiful. So I want to say if, if you're sitting there listening to this and you're thinking like, Oh, I've told my story before, or and there's no sense of doing this again. God is, this is a couple, like probably the second or third time that I've done this. And every time it's a different direction. Mm-hmm. He has something else to say about the story that he gave us. And every time he, he 
refocuses it to a certain audience. So I want to say just give it a shot. Sit down and let the spirit lead. And you're going to be super surprised about what comes out. Because every time we've done it, it's like, man, that is not the direction I had intended. But it's so good. But to jump back into our story. So we walked into marriage thinking that was the next step. And that's what you did as high school sweethearts. I remember coming into that union with a complete wrong mindset. I was looking for something out of it. I was looking to Chelsea to just fill the emptiness that was inside of me. But I had no clue what that emptiness was from. I was only worried about pleasing myself and then allowing Chelsea to just fall into place wherever there was extra room for her. Not knowing that only Jesus could fill this emptiness that I was feeling inside. See, our happiness came straight from the world. And if we were doing good, then uh, every, we were all happy. There was no complaints. We weren't fighting. But as soon as something would come up, we'd just fall apart. And I just think of the scripture of the man who lays the foundation on sand. And instead of building it on something solid, we built our marriage on the sand. And it was shifting in the wind and never sturdy. And all in all, with just the, the wave of everything and allowing the world to dictate it. And the next thing I know, it, I found myself, ended up leading up to my first fall. And I found myself in a self-created mess, all because I chose myself over the marriage I had with, Ch with Chelsea. And then I ended up having an affair. And the ground that I was standing on was shifting faster and faster and the sand was just disappearing underneath my feet. Yeah, so I had just graduated nursing school. We were celebrating my 21st birthday that same week, so we threw a huge party at our house, which was pretty normal for us as we had a pretty regular group of party crew that we would hang out with. Um, and that night, so many people had come to celebrate. But it was pretty normal for, for this to happen as well. So in typical Wes fashion, he had gotten so drunk that he had passed out in our bed and I couldn't wake him up. There were times I would find myself in this position frequently over the years where I would literally be trying to carry Wes to bed after a night of us partying. And as we were sitting down and just hashing out all the things and asking the Lord, you know, what, what he wanted us to say and what direction he wanted us to go, uh, I had been reminded of that night and the events that led up to all of the things just being spilled out in front of me. Um, and that night before Wes had passed out, he had wrecked our home throwing mason jars and apple crates across our living room and it ended up in a pretty big blow up fight so there were some people there and they helped me get him in bed and the party had died down and to my surprise um i you know thought that it was a night of celebration where I was supposed to just feel so proud of all of the things that I accomplished, which again is just such a selfish view, but um, that night took a hard left turn. 
and I can't stand here and act like I was innocent in any of it. Um, I was selfish, I was vain, and I was plagued in jealousy. And that led me to sneak through Wes's phone, and I found things that had broken me. Um, and those things drove me even deeper into our mess. At that time, um, Wes's affair was out for me to see. Well, at least a part of it. I only knew a part at that time. But I can remember that morning when I finally got him to come to and be aware of what had happened and what I had found. We had sat on the bedroom floor and he just said to me that I should divorce him because I deserved better. And all I can say is that there was something in that moment that overcame me. And I didn't know it at the time. But now, as I look back, I know it was the Holy Spirit. And I know that it was just the Lord protecting me. And and I remember um, just vividly putting a stake in the ground. Um, no matter what, divorce wasn't going to have the say in our lives and in over our marriage. And the enemy wasn't going to win. And again, looking back, I know that nudge and, and that just boldness was the Holy Spirit leading me to that. I will say that this is like the first time that I can see God in our story. And we like we had no clue that he was even there. I wish I could say that this was the end to our reckless lives, but there's still plenty more to tell. We made it through that tough time and we had good stretches and pretty soon would come our kids and the blessing that they are and another way seeing God work before we even knew he was there was the name of our son is Jude Daniel and it's such a biblical name for two people that have never cracked open a Bible but so our lives they they were right back on track from the outside world's point of view we had a nice house, two beautiful kids, great jobs, but we were right back in Satan's pocket, believing the lie that the world could offer everything we were looking for. It had all the answers. Again, with an unknowing nudge from the Holy Spirit, we started taking our kids to Sunday school, only to get them to interact with other kids because we didn't have kids for them to hang out their age. As we sat in our seats, waiting for the service to hurry up so we go up and pick up our kids, we couldn't help but feel like there was a big spotlight right on us. We were sitting in a service with a thousand plus people, but it felt like the pastor was talking straight to us. See, we never felt the Holy Spirit's conviction before, but this is the point in our story where God starts stepping in and showing himself. And this is the point when we start taking our marriage back. Yeah. Um, we went to church, I think it was like the third week I had written down in my journal that I can remember when we left church that day, um, Wes's oldest sister had um, tried to share the gospel with us many times and we really um, just avoided it and, and didn't want to hear it, not really realizing it, but that was just how our our attitudes were at that time. And we had left that third Sunday, and Wes had said, "I can, I can. Now I know why she wants. To, she always wanted to share it with us. We just felt really spurred on um, as we would go and just hear, 
hear the truth. And again, as Wes said, just like a spotlight was shining right on us and, and conviction just started to slowly work in our lives. But I would say it was only about a month or so that we had been attending church regularly. Um, and at that time, we were probably really only engaging on Sundays um, before we really knew anybody and we weren't really plugged in yet. But um, it was Mother's Day. And I can recall walking into church after we had just dropped our kids off in their classes. And again, just so excited to be going um, as we thought, oh, this is the right thing to do. And we were, everything was so good and life was perfect. And I can remember walking into church um, and just running right into the person that Wes had had an affair with. And... To my surprise, um, even though it was years later, feelings had just come rushing back into my heart. Um, I had a garden of jealousy, bitterness, and unforgiveness that was just deeply rooted in my heart. And again, at this time, I only knew part of the story. But this was the journey of healing where the Lord began to uproot unforgiveness in my heart, and he graciously tended to the soil that I had left uncared for for so long. And something had come up. I don't know exactly the time frame, but I had, this was sometime after, and I had asked Wes more questions about the situation that had happened so many years prior. And um, one day he had come home from work, and he had sat down with me in the playroom as I was sitting there with the kids, and he looked at me and he just told me everything. And I can just remember sitting there and I was pretty peaceful when he shared it all. And the only way I can describe it is just a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I allow, allowed the Father to just tend to my heart again and again. And it just became a process where he just began to heal Again, not only our marriage, but each of us individually in, in just very specific ways. And the scripture in Colossians 3 that states, Just as the Lord forgave you, so must you do also. Um, that scripture, I actually think that was Father's Day that I heard that scripture because there was a guest speaker at church that that day. And um, he was, I think he was a famous baseball player or something. Uh, Daryl Strawberry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I remember him talking about that and it just hit me and I wanted, I remember like longing to be free of unforgiveness and just saying, you know, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this to just be who I am and have this in my heart. And so, um, the father walked with me and showed me what true forgiveness looked like. And not only to my husband, but to the woman that he had had an affair with. So I pretty radically came to know the Holy Spirit. I had some pretty amazing sisters in Christ who had come alongside me during that time and walked with me. And we really dove into identity and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Um, we would gather at least once a week, and then I would come home just so filled up and, and trying to share all of it with Wes and all of the awesome, amazing things that the Lord was showing me. Um... But really, you know, he was sitting at home with the kids as I went out and did things. And I was involved in a really great community, but he wasn't at that time. 
Um, he wasn't really plugged. We, again, we weren't plugged in at church necessarily yet, and and he didn't really have any men around him to spur him on. And so again, I would come home just so filled and be so excited to share. And I can remember one time he had said to me, "You've just gone too far." He he said, "You have to understand, I'm never gonna be there." And now looking back, I just think it's so funny because anyone who knows Wes now and just what God's done in his life and the work that he's done, and um, he's just so spirit-filled and loves Jesus so much and has chooses to lay his life down um, every single day. And so it's just so comical to me now. I, I remember telling you, like, whatever we do, I will never go to anything after church. Mm-hmm. I'm never go- get joining a small group. I'm never doing any of that stuff. And here we are. Yeah, so now you're shepherding the storehouse. But um, I don't, again, time frames, I, I maybe, we. I mean, I, I journaled throughout all this time, but I don't know that I kept, when we were digging through this and hashing it all out, I don't know that I really looked at time frames, but... It was sometime, maybe a six months or a year after that, um, I journaled a lot and I looked back at my prayers as I we were preparing this testimony. And it's, again, just so crazy when you see the transforming power of the Lord and what he's done in our lives. Because I would pray just for Wes's eyes to be opened. I would pray for the drinking to stop. Because at that time, you you slowed down drinking. I mean, we had children and so... Yeah, it was a, it was a pro- one of those processes. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember like not wanting to drink, but also still just hiding it from you. Like, I would say, "Oh, I'll just drink two beers tonight," and then. Mm-hmm. And I was always a little one thing. And again, when I say like I was not perfect in this, in this, and or innocent, and none of us are, but I would count Wes's beers that he would drink or honestly like I can anytime a can would crack I would like get anxiety like my chest would get tight and I would be like just so upset all the time and I think some of that one comes from the hurt we walked through and what alcohol's influence on that was um and two just in growing up I um just come from a family where um alcoholism and and drugs and things like that are are not uncommon and so I just didn't want that for my life and so um anyways it took one sermon series um that sermon series had eight sermons in it and I had felt like I was supposed to share it with Wes and I really almost didn't even expect him to listen to it but he listened to all eight in one day while he was at work. He he was an operator at that time in our lives, and so he would be in his machine and put his um, headphones in and just listen to sermons and or listen to music, and he ended up listening to those sermons that day. And after that, he was never the same. And um, that sermon series is titled Healing the Orphan Spirit, and honestly, Wes's orphan spirit was healed. Um, it went from him telling me that he would never be there, never be where I was with the Lord, to being willing to up and move our family wherever the Lord called us. And now it's just amazing to get to see him obediently walking step and step with the Holy Spirit. And again, we just grew so quickly. 
And I always say that we were equally yoked in our mess, and by the grace of God, we were equally yoked in Christ. And I think one of the reasons we grew so quickly is we quickly had really awesome people come around us. And uh, one of my best friends, still to this day, was hosting a marriage study, and Chelsea drug me to it. And uh, I remember sitting in his living room with a couple. Uh, there was like, what, four couples in there? Mm-hmm. And uh, he went around and asked, like, why we were there. And I just told him, like, I don't. I was probably joking at the time, like, because I'm a little sarcastic. But I said, I'm only here because my wife made me. And everybody laughed. And he still tells that story every time he gets a chance. But he, he's like, I just love the honesty. <laughs> and, uh, but walking with people that were completely vulnerable helped me see the difference between what a real man, man of Christ was compared to what the world calls a man. And it is a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I needed to see that, and I think we all do. Everyone needs brothers and sisters that will go to war for them at any moment. Having others to hold us accountable and spur us on that won't allow us just to sit in our messes. Mm-hmm. So then we had a divine meeting where the Lord placed another couple in our lives. These two helped strengthen our marriage, walking side by side with us and not allowing us to settle for just being good. See, they were walking with authority and they were walking in influence because they they were where we were before. Mm -hmm. And they had a boldness about them and they still, I mean, they still Mm -hmm. do, but it was like eye-opening to see like, this doesn't have to de- define who I am. Mm-hmm. And this was like the kickstart to it of just shedding all of the shame and the guilt from the past. Then at that same time, we the Holy Spirit called us to abundant life. And we came to, we came to abundant life on fire for the Lord. We had no idea why the Lord was calling us there but we came running just following his lead. Mm-hmm. When we got there, uh, we just dove right in. We met other couples that they, they matched the same fire that the Lord ignited in us. Mm-hmm. And Chelsea and I, we were walking in this intimacy with one another in our marriage. Like we never, we've never had anything like that before. And we thought we were doing so great, mm-hmm. but only to have the father call us deeper and uh, we were meeting with this couple that I mentioned and one night we were just sitting around their living room and they were encouraging us to go home and like read the Bible together before bed every night and just start praying the verses that we read over each other and just start declaring that truth over each other which is so simple but yeah we just you just get so busy in your day to day and you forget to take that time Mm-hmm. to sneak in there before that. And uh, I, I remember Chelsea, she was like all fired up about it. She she was super excited and we got home, we put the kids to bed and I walk out to the living room and she's sitting there with her Bible just ready to go. And uh thing Chelsea didn't know was a few weeks leading up to this that the Holy Spirit was laying it on my heart that 
I needed to bring everything from the past to Chelsea and just lay everything out on the table. I had no clue why, and I, I was wrestling with God for, I would say, up to a month before, and just because it didn't make sense because of how good we were doing. And I was afraid to mess all that up. But the Lord told me, he said, if you want what's next for you with me, then everything has to be on the table. And that if I wanted to see Chelsea fully healed from all this hurt, that I had to share it all with her. And it just made no sense to the flesh. Yeah, so we were doing so good, like you said. and um, But when you say, like, for me to walk in the full like healing that he had, um, kind of what that was referring to at that time was I was still having really bad nightmares. And even though we were just in such an awesome place, I could not, I, I, I would, I can't even tell you how many, I mean, multiple times a week I would have just really bad dreams and nightmares that I felt like would just haunt me. So. Yeah. And I, I remember leading up to this on my way to work. Uh, I just woke up with this conviction and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ride to work in silence. But uh, I couldn't shake the conviction and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to turn on a sermon. And I just, I listened to this one church from South Carolina and uh, I was like, I'll just turn that on. And it was even, <laughs> it even convicted me more. And in the sermon he says, he wants you free. You might need to confess to your spouse. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is from the devil. He will lord it over you all the time, saying you're worthless or nothing. The Holy Spirit says you're better than that. Welcome the Holy Spirit conviction. He is inviting you into freedom. And then he goes on to say, confess your sins and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And when I heard that, I was like, all right, now I, I have to do it. And I believe it was the next day that I ended up sharing it with her. But then God also showed me James 4, 4, which says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the Lord is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires a spirit which he has made dwell in us, but he gives greater grace. Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Sub submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. And that scripture, it, it just pierced my heart. So we sat in our living room and I, I just spilled out everything from the past. And which at the time my flesh was fighting so hard against. Like I said, we were doing so great, so I was just thinking, why am I screwing this up? But I, I knew I just had to trust God, and I knew that was, it was Him that was telling me to do this. And before I knew it, it was like vomit coming out of my mouth. 
I told her that there was another affair that she never found out about and she didn't know anything about. I laid it all out on the table, holding nothing back, and I answered any questions she had and just trusted God that he knew better than I. And I remember that next morning waking up and think I, thinking I made a mistake by telling her, and I couldn't see with my earthly eyes how this made sense. Now looking back, I can see it. God was asking me to humble myself. He couldn't use me the way he intended if there was something Satan can use against me or drive a wedge between Chelsea and I. Mm -hmm. Satan was the one telling me that the, it was a bad idea to share. But our jealous God did everything he promised. It might not have been instant like we hoped for, but we drew near and he drew near. He cleansed us with his refining fire, which at the time is not fun, but was necessary. See, he forged our two hearts into one. I think of the song that says, he turns mourning to dancing. He brings beauty from ashes. And a couple weeks ago at the Belonging Conference, Chelsea and a big group of girls, uh, at the end of the conference, they were all getting together to pray. And Chelsea was just asking for prayer because we knew we were getting ready to share a testimony. And uh, she said a big group of the girls, they turned on music and they just started dancing. And I believe at that moment, that was that morning turning to dancing. It was all coming to full effect right at the right time. And it was just, we could see his faithfulness and he's just so good. He does what he says he'll do. What his word says is the promise he has to you. Like, we can take him for what the Bible says. Yeah. So, first of all, like you said, he does what he says he'll do. Um, I put, brought this down when we were getting ready to re-record this tonight, and I was reminded of something that I had had a vision of, of Wes and I holding hands, and um, this was back in... 2019 and Wes and I were holding hands and we were standing before the Lord and all we could see was his silhouette but his light was just shining down on us and um, just reminded of that he does what he says he'll do and and that's exactly what he's done in our marriage but um, yes we sat down to I asked for a prayer and we were just finishing up an awesome weekend together and um, we asked for prayer, and then um, one of my friends was like, you know what, let's, because we had been joking about dancing all day, and so we just had to, we said, let's just dance, and so we put on Dancing on the Grave, which is, was just so relevant at that time, because as we were preparing this, you know, this stuff that we have walked through, it is dead and gone, and it does not hold or have any power over our lives anymore. And so we can share this today um, because of what God's done in our lives and because it glorifies him and it brings the name of Jesus to anyone that hears it. And so we danced on the grave that night and I said it was so funny when I was telling Wes because we just ran around like little girls, like just having a ball and laughing and dancing and waving flags and um once the song finished the first time we started again and it was so cool because everyone 
like was cleaning up from the conference and you would just see like person by person trickling in and we just it was so awesome but um so yeah um I watched Wes unload all of those things like he said as we sat on our living room floor um and I just stared at him as he poured it all out and I like to say this part and Wes <laughs> Wes I don't know if he enjoys it as much but <laughs> One of the reasons I just sat and stared at him is because he had snot dripping from his nose to the floor, and I just was like, what is happening in front of me? <laughs> but um, I can't stand before you all and just say that was it. That was, you know, I wanted, I wish we could go back and say um, I was healed, just like, just like Wes had said, you know, that the Lord had told him. Um, I needed to know everything so I could be healed, and um, it took time. It's still it's still a process. It's we're we're always going to be walking through things, and it's taken so much time. But this this sharing of our testimony is so timely, as Wes um, was saying before, because you see, like that dancing on the grave was so significant to what we were about to walk into, and he brought the fullness of some of the just healing in my heart and my mind um he brought that forth this week and so it's just so timely how we got to share um with everyone but again when we were sitting there it didn't make sense why and all I know is that I know what the Lord has done in Wes's heart and it's been a living proof of who God is and and I know my father's heart, and so this all was for a purpose. And so I did desire to be radically healed, but again, it's just been a process. I, I like more radical, like, immediate things, and so going through the process isn't always fun. But um, a couple weeks after Wes had shared that with me, um, we had gone to, we didn't really know a lot of people at the church that were going um, at Abundant Life where the Lord had called us. He called us there and he said he had a place for us there, but we, we were pretty new. Um, we had gone to a conference um, at Victory um, and it was called The Ramp. And when we were driving home that night from The Ramp, I remember Wes saying he was so glad he had shared everything with me because it was just a really awesome message that had been given. And that was on a Friday. And then that Sunday, um, at our church, um, everyone, had, I think more than half the church had gone to the ramp, and everyone was just so just fired up. And there was someone who had gotten on stage and said um, that at the altar there was a fire burning, and anyone who had shame and guilt needed to get to the altar to be delivered from it. And I might have been teleported there because I didn't even—I <laughs> don't even remember running up there, but I was. Next thing I know, I was in the middle of it. Yeah, Wes went straight for the fire. Um, and I watched him radically get delivered from shame and guilt. And I can remember just standing back. And I couldn't even, there was all these men who came around him and just prayed for him. Men who didn't even know him, but just were willing to love him. And I just stood back and I took it all in. And when Wes stood up, I can recall that Pastor Jeff just took him in a hug. Um, Pastor Jeff's our lead pastor. And he just took him in a hug. And I had never seen anyone embrace Wes like that before. And I still believe 
and continue to say that I'm almost sure when we run into the arms of the Father, that's the kind of hug that we're going to receive when we run into his arms. So Wes was set free from shame and guilt, and it took me a little bit longer to walk through um, all of these things. But he came and walked beside me, and, and just so much of even what the Lord's done in that, and just you walking with me and, and that healing. Um, that strengthened our marriage probably more than anything just it was that humbling of myself to tender my heart to say like okay whatever it takes like it's not fun to do it over and over again but whatever it mm -hmm. takes we're gonna do it because I trust what God's doing yeah because you know with Wes just being like surrendered and giving up that shame and guilt and being ready to walk in the fullness of the Lord, but then you had me who would still bring things up continuously. It was just, it was hard. It definitely was hard. So um, the next morning after Wes had shared everything with me, um, that was the morning that we were going to church, and and he had, or no, I think it was the week before, I, again, timelines, but anyways, the night after Wes had shared everything with me, um, Wes went outside to feed the animals, and when he did, there was a eagle, a bald eagle, outside of our house, sitting on a tree, which I don't know that... Have you ever seen an eagle here? Wes grew up at our home, I so... Mean, just fly past. i never seen one just sitting there waiting for me when I walk out the door. <laughs> <laughs> so he went to try to scare it off um, so that it didn't get our chickens, because it was like eyeing our chickens up. Um, and when Wes was outside, it had dawned on me that God had sent that eagle... And he was meant to stay. Yeah. Um, Chelsea's watching me out the window as I'm out there trying to shoo this eagle away. And uh, it just wouldn't leave. Like, it didn't matter what I did. It would just fly to the next tree and s sit there and look at me. And she yelled out the door, like, it's supposed to be here. So I'm walking in the house all defeated because I'm thinking we're, we're getting ready to lose some chickens. But... As soon as I walked in the house, he showed me the scripture, Isaiah 6. It talks about where the seraphim touches, touches his lips with the burning coal. And he showed me that that confession last night was the coal that touched my lips. And the scripture says, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Like, yeah, I know Jesus paid for my sins, but I was still holding on to that, like the shame and the guilt and everything because I what like you can't fully repent when you're hiding it. Like it mm -hmm. had to be brought into the open so that Jesus could take it off my shoulders. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't have had to pay for it at, at the end, but I wasn't living in the fullness of what he had for me because I was trying to hide it. Yeah, and so I had shared this um how the eagle hit was outside our house with with one of my sweet friends and she directed me to revelation 12 and again this is where i was saying that the scripture had met me um just in an a, at a time in my life where i just it, it just ministered to me so much um and so it's the part in revelation 12 where um 
It says, it's Revelation 12, 14, it says, But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And that is the only way I can describe that period of our lives. Um, I felt in my soul that I had just been put in the wilderness, and that eagle that morning was sent to us as a sign of, God's protection and, and just strength for our marriage and he had a plan and a place and he tended to my heart over the past year in ways that I never knew so again as I said it's just so timely for us to be sharing um, we didn't plan to quite bring our our offering to the storehouse quite yet um, but Freeman had come to us and he had said we were supposed to share and he was insistent on it and honestly we wanted to decline and just say not yet but I'm just so thankful that we we didn't do that um, he's just shown us this past week that we are healed that I am healed and a word that I had received in June of last year um, it had said that I had been rattled in my marriage let time heal the wound and let me show you how I can quicken the healing time for you both. The words I'm sorry have become empty to you, but I can truly heal your heart. Not only this hurt, but from all the hurts you carry. You put on such a brave face, but I no longer want that smile to be forced. I want that smile to go deep inside you to the point that you will truly realize that you were different and you no longer hurt inside. It went on to say that this was a time to rest, and in the wilderness is where I rested, and he nourished me, as Revelation 12 says. And all of this to say that I had woke up to a text on Monday morning from a sweet sister, and she had said, If you felt me awkwardly looking at you this weekend, it was because there was a glorious radiance about you. I couldn't help but notice. I kept hearing radiant over and over as I watched you serve and worship with reckless abandon. You're a fierce warrior for the kingdom, and I pray you walk into that more and more each day. And all I can say is, God had showed me that text I had received a year ago, and and he took me from rattled to radiant, and it's all in his doing. And I'll just say it time and time again, that I will walk across the coals of fire, of the refining fire, and just choose death every single day if that is what it takes so that we can feast upon the glory of God. And if he never does another thing in my life, this is more than enough. He loves us so much, and he continues to pour it out over us, and he continues to use us. And um, as the scripture in Isaiah 6 that had met Wes during that time, um, as it says, we will just stand hand in hand saying, here I am, Lord, send me. So our, our stories, we have a rough past, but that doesn't stop God from using somebody. And I think I speak for both of us when I say, like, I am thankful for our past because the authority we walk in now and the fire that we carry now was ignited from the dark places he brought us out of. And we are on fire for the Lord and like willing to do whatever he asks. I believe that comes from being in the messes and looking up and seeing like where we wanted to be and seeing where God wanted to take us 
but still walking through the muck to get there and walking through the healing to get there. And now that we're just that much closer and walking in that much more authority because of what he did. And I truly believe God is calling us, all of us, not just Chelsea and I, into a refining time, a purifying time. I believe he wants to burn off everything that Satan can use against us so that we can stand and conquer for ourselves and for each other. God's timing is incredible and it's always perfect. And it's not by chance that we share right now. It's not by chance that we just feel all this healing coming together and it's the time we're starting to share our testimony. And I don't believe that this will be the last time we share this story because I, I, I see the power and the weight that it carries and the glory that it brings to God. And uh, we just walked into this being obedient to him. And we didn't know what he would ask or how he would use it, but we knew it would be for his greater purpose. Mm -hmm. And I truly feel like now Chelsea and I are walking in the fullness of what he has for us because of the cleansing that he did in our lives. And like we said, it's not by doing something that us doing something or something we did in our own strength, but it was just by saying yes and dying to ourselves daily. And just, we repeatedly said yes, yes, Lord, no matter what the question was. And we're gonna continue to do that. And it doesn't stop. It now, now we have the responsibility to carry this forward and to help other people. And that's the beauty about the storehouse and sharing your testimony is it isn't just to unload your story and say, all right, there it is, bye-bye. We are called to use it and to allow what God did in our lives to flow from us onto somebody else. That's the whole point of all of this mm -hmm. is so that somebody else can conquer and somebody else can see the goodness of God. And there's more than enough of that. There's more than enough goodness of God to go around. And so we just want to put it out there. We want to call more people forward. We want more glory to be shown to God. And he deserves it. He's done amazing things in everybody's lives. So if you listen to this and think maybe I should reach out and see about sharing my testimony, definitely do that. We are open. We are available. And you can share at a storehouse event in front of a crowd, or we can do this in the basement, and it can be private, however you want to do it. So we just we thank you guys for listening to this, and we pray that this blesses you and that it encourages you to just press in even more. Yep. So you're just on our hearts that we want to share is your marriages can be healed. You can have true forgiveness in your heart and walk in that. And you can be delivered from shame and guilt. And just as our sins are blotted out by the blood of the Lamb... Um, we can walk in the true healing and the true fullness of what God has for each of our lives. So thank you. God bless.